Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. PJ and Shadow on the love rug. Hello, and welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs' is America's Damp 40 season. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here, moistly, with Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. I've just slathered myself in cocoa butter. Finally. God. So, this is episode two of our America's Damp 40 season. Uh, Mark is about to catch you up on where we left our initial rankings. We only had five songs. Another five songs are entering Moister Dome t- today. Uh, <laughs> Leaving but, wet footprints all around. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, and then putting on jeans with no underpants. I don't know why I always come back to that image, but I do. Uh, so if you're not familiar with what we're doing here, first of all, welcome. Second of all, you can find all of this information on our, uh, CENTCOM landing page for WMSD Moist FM. That is at patreon.com slash mastass. And that is, uh, open to everyone. Uh, we would love to have you join us as a Patreon supporter, but everyone can see and vote on results. Speaking of results, when last we left our moist contenders, Mark Blankenship, where were the rankings? Well, 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 well. As you might recall, we left this rankings with the following. All I Know by Art Garfunkel and Angel of the Morning by Juice Newton were tied in fifth place. Then Babe by Styx was in third place. Arthur's Theme by Christopher Cross was in second and in a comfortable first, it was Baby Comeback uh-huh. by Player. And then uh, just as a, a little heads up to the listeners, today's contenders will be Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty, The Best of My Love by Eagles, Can We Still Be Friends by Todd Rundgren. I actually wonder that too, having listened to that song, but we'll get to it. Uh, Chevy Van by Sammy Johns and Cool Night by former Mastis subject Paul Davis. Yes. Um, and the episode on Mr. Paul Davis, uh, episode 117, is linked in our show notes if you want to have a listen to that. But I did pull a clip of our discussion, which presaged a lot of what we're doing here uh, in the America's Damp 40 season. All right, Mark, shall we begin our discussion of the second five songs? Uh, yeah, I think, in fact, let's just jump right into a clip from Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street, a number two hit. And settle down in some quiet little town and forget about everything. But you know he'll always keep moving. You know he's never going to stop moving. Because he's rolling. He's the It 
Oh, iconic. I, I mean, I think that that word is overused, but you, you got to use it sometimes. That is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Raphael Ravenscroft <laughs> on the saxophone. And apparently this song caused an uptick in like saxophone sales to kids and people taking saxophone lessons that is now called the Baker Street Phenomenon. Oh, shit. That sounds like a good name for a band. It does. Um, I Here's a chart fact that I found interesting. This absolutely reads like a number one for its era, but it was it was cock blocked out of number one by Mr. Andy Gibbs shadow dancing for like a month and a half, apparently. Yes. I mean, which is fascinating because that reads much more disco. And Andy Gibb was on a few of my early drafts of moist songs, but then it was like, that's too... Like it's too disco and mm. it's not despite all the, the chest hair and the falsetto and the fact that shadow dancing is, you know, just about dancing and shadows. No, it's not. It's about fucking. Uh, it's not. It's not all that moist. Like disco is not moist. I don't think so. I think it's partially because the four four rhythm of disco is just so overtly sexual there's no attempt to disguise the erection there in no. fact the erection is highlighted by the tight white pants well and there is a there is a plaintiveness whether um performative or genuine to moist hits that i think is absent from disco and we've said in passing many times that there is a um nihilistic um dancing at that end of empire feeling to disco that it may um hide or be attempting to process a great sadness or dread but it does it in such a different way from the from the damp like post watergate dislocated you know we're all, we're all going to die let's do some poppers <laughs> like it, it's just a different vibe well, how moist did you think Baker Street was relatively? Because I have some thoughts. I oh, I also do too. like to hear whether I was the only one who just assumed that this was a POV song by um, Watson because <laughs> of Baker Street. <laughs> am I just a, an intellectual basic? I'm sure I am. Anyway. <laughs> Well, let me first start by uh, adding a little tidbit to the fact that Baker Street was held at number two for six weeks. There was a rumor that went around at the time that the director of the Billboard charts was pressured into keeping shadow dancing on top for an extra I week. I read that. <gasps> because if he didn't, apparently, Andy Gibb was going to pull out of an appearance at a Billboard-sponsored concert. Which he was probably going to do anyway, because he had a couple of other problems. But right. anyway. I mean, honestly, that story is completely apocryphal, I'm sure, and is not true. But it is telling because it means that even at the time, people thought, like you just said, that Baker Street is clearly a number one hit. And yeah. it did, in fact, send the album that it was on to number one. So people clearly at the time knew that Baker Street had been robbed. But what I will say, Sarah, is... I don't think this song is damp at all because this is a song about genuine 
isolation and psychic pain. It's a song about feeling like you are disconnected from your life. It's about the misery of watching your friends be as unhappy as you are. Mm -hmm. And all of that is anti-damp. It's like dry as a bone. It's like I barely even... I don't even use lubrication when I pleasure myself because I'm just so sad. And while, <laughs> while the sax rim I is, threw I the think, love rug out the window, it started to rain, and I stared out at the love rug while trying to jerk off. Yes, and I didn't even have enough fluid in my body for a single tear to roll Using, down Using, like, soup. Oh, gross. You know, for so, kids. <laughs> Jesus. But I would say that the sax riff is almost in its own category as being the sexiest, moistest thing perhaps in this entire season. But I ultimately had to put this song last on our moistness countdown. It is 10th place for me, one point. It's close to the bottom for me too, because having done a little research on it, like we've been saying all along, like, is this really Yacht Rocky? Probably because of the sound. And that saxophone is an all-timer. But... I I feel like moisture comes from content um, mm-hmm. or from a mixture of sound and whatever fury. So this is like um, just two dudes actually being, I think, sincerely vulnerable with each other about how their lives didn't maybe turn out how they thought. Right. Um, and about wanting to settle down and leave the sort of degradation of the the like rock star life behind um but i but that's not that moist and it's also not a song that it's like it's not one of those oh boohoo it's so hard to be famous songs either i did think there was a drier song in today's list but this is overall um at the towards the bottom of my list so out of 10 that's uh, ninth for me, two points. Mm-hmm. And I just want to remind listeners that the reason we're saying 10, even though we're only discussing five songs, is that all previous songs will always still be in contention to create a new chart that includes them all. Right. Um, now, oh, it's also worth pointing out that Jerry Rafferty was part of the band Steeler's Wheel, which I, had the hits. Yes. I always forget that. And every time I learn it, it's like a delight all over again. So that's yes. kind of fun. They had the hit Stuck in the Middle with You, which is, of course, um, for 90s cineasts, famous as the song that's playing when the ear scene happens in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Ask your grandparents. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that's 10th place from me, 9th place from you, but a 4th place finish from our patrons, which gives it 7 points. And it's interesting because... This episode is being recorded before we've had a chance to release any of the other episodes in the season to the public. And I'm curious if any of the stuff that we're yammering on about is going to change the way that these songs get ranked later. But we'll see. Yeah, we will. Um, Here's what we're not going to see is whether Mark has learned to love the Eagles because, spoiler, eh -eh. Our next song is Best of My Love by the Eagles. Um, There was quite a bit of debate before we uh, began this season proper about whether the Eagles belonged on this list anywhere at all, which of their songs 
would be the dampest. I, f- I feel like maybe we selected the wrong one, but in part we added them, I think because our sense was that Don Henley would be like basically infuriated at being included on this list. And you know, what, what's that to like about that? But why don't we hear a clip from the Eagles best of my love. You see it your way. I see it mine. All right, as someone who really likes the Eagles, like I get that they're basic, but I like them. I like this song a lot. I like the harmonies, but I don't think it's moist. Part of it is the self-seriousness, which I suspect um, my co-host is not a huge fan of. Part of it is that I feel like Western or country-tinged content is not that moist because I'd feel like country Western or country is on a different emotional wavelength that like dries things. It's like this post ironic drying out of the sentiment. We'll be talking about this more in future episodes. Trust. But this is not that damp to me. This is a post breakup song. I don't think anybody's trying to get laid. I think Don is sad. Um, I th- like the making of this song and the fact that it's a ballad and that they like Glenn Fry was like, I don't know if I want to release this as a ballad and we want to be rockers. Like there's a lot of sort of obnoxious backstory to the creation of this song. But I have always liked it. That said, I just, I think it's like the least damp thing that we've talked about so far. So it is my 10th place song with one point. Interesting. Uh, The patrons put this song in sixth place for dampness in this round, and that gives it five points from them. And I, Sarah, actually agree with them. I put it in fifth place. Interesting. Now, I don't have... I actually feel like I go into a coma anytime I hear this song. <laughs> it's so Fair. boring to me. In fact, that is the thing that I find the most frustrating about the Eagles is I, there's just something about how smoothed out everything is. Mm. I find it impossible to care. I understand that there's a darkness underneath Hotel California. Uh, 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 what's that one? Do they sing the song? Oh, oh, listen to the music. Or is that somebody else? No, that is. Uh, oh, Heartache America. Tonight is the song of theirs. That, Ra- you know, oh, Heartache Tonight is so. And some of their like rockier, like Heartache Tonight are already gone. Like those are the ones that the Eagles are like, yeah, we're the tits. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, yeah, to me, when they try to get harder on Heartache Tonight, it just makes me feel sad. And 
we've talked previously about how we both like the song The Boys of Summer by Don Henley. It's not like I'm opposed to everything that an eagle can create, but I just really find this band incredibly boring. And to me, this song is moist because it is so noncommittal about its heartbreak. And it just reads to me as like, I am sad, but I I can't make myself care enough to really emotionally commit to it in song. So even though it's not about getting laid, it's just about feeling sad. For me in this moment, feeling sad in a wan sort of way is still plenty moist. That's why I put it in fifth place. Well, I think that's right. And there is a certain, um, not cliched, but like, it is what it is, like, shortcuttedness to the emotion. Um, but I I think that's what appeals to me about Don Henley's mm. work and contributions sometimes, is that he's like, I'm sort of so divorced from dealing with, like, grief or trying to sob it out. And this is what happens. And there is some beauty and artistry to that. The Glenn Fry stuff, I'm not a huge fan. And I don't need to listen to Don Henley talk about anything he's ever done while wearing a string tie. But um, yeah, I mean, the, it has an appeal to me, but I understand, especially given how long it's been in the culture and on Light FM that you would just be narcoleptically. <laughs> unwilling to <laughs> but you know i also acknowledge that the eagles greatest hits is the best-selling album in american history so clearly i am in the smaller camp here and that's fine i'll be the cheese standing alone mm, that's fine speaking oh, well, of cheese <laughs> so my god yes what a perfect segue to can we still be friends by todd rundgren now before we listen to oh, i think it's also worth pointing out that uh the best of my love was a number one hit Baker Street number two hit. Can we still be friends? Not a huge hit, although it did reach the top 40 for Mr. Rundgren. And I think, Sarah, for me, one of the most shocking things about this is that Todd Rundgren is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He produced Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell album, among other operatic sounding things. He was really innovative when it comes to uh, electronics and music and also music video. But then he also made this. So here's a clip from Can We Still Be Friends? A mistake, but can we still be friends? Can we still be friends? never easy to take, but can we still be friends? It's a strange, sad I feel like that clip was something that was done to me. I am sorry. I pulled the clips for this episode and um, please contact my attorney with any further (laughs) comments. Um, I will say this, though. Um, I mentioned Meatloaf. Todd Rundgren produced his Bad Out of Hell album. And when we talked about a song from that album, 
your opening statement, Sarah, was kill it with fire. Mm-hmm. And that is how I feel about this sing-songy, trilly, really tiny Tim-esque vocal oh. on this song. And if you watch the video, this is like, if this were the British teeth season, <laughs> we could just end it right now. Because that that is a lot of British teeth. It's like a <laughs> fucking 16th century graveyard up in that bitch. Um we may have picked the wrong Rundgren song. Um, Hello, It's Me was really his huge hit. That's what everybody knows him for. And not for, say, doing the score for Dumb and Dumber. Which he did, and which he included in, in when he did the music for Dumb and Dumber, he included this song near the end of the film. Um, I wonder, I mean, the backstory of this song is that it was written to or about his longtime companion, B.B. Buell. They had broken up prior to this. Um, He, I think, had been raising Liv Tyler as his child. He had been, yes. And um, everybody found out later that Steven Tyler was actually her biological father. I I wish that I had not looked this. I wish I had researched the song after listening because this whole like extremely 70s rock and roll. Where were you on X date? Fuck if I know I lost a whole year and a half. Um, melodrama of this backstory, I think, may have affected how moist I thought it was. Um, this is extremely damp sounding. I think Todd Rundgren generally, like even if you, the listener, have been voting for Rundgren sort of as a um, moisture unit, um, aside from whatever individual song we selected, I think that's totally fair. But this is, I don't think there is an attempt to leverage the emotion for penetration here. It's possible I think also this is um, performatively plaintive, but in a way that's like trying to avoid dealing with the emotion versus trying to get into anyone's underpants. So um, there are some mitigating factors to the moisture. That said, and we'll have some links in the show notes to all of this drama, including Rundgren's Wikipedia page, which is basically like four screens of him getting himself kicked out of various bands in the 70s because he was such a butt to deal with. Um, but yeah, this was right in the middle for me. Like the sound is very moist, but I, I don't think it's actually as damp as some. Um, so it's a uh, five for me, right in the middle, six points. Before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. 
Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finished the program, and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. All right. And I am uh, with you in the sense that, to me, what makes this song moist is the simpering quality. Yes. And to (laughs) simper about anything is to be somewhat moist. But to simper as cover for wanting to get laid is to be mega moist. Yes. To me. Mega so, moist. And uh, you convinced me of that. And mm. I, therefore, put this song in a very similar position because, remember, we're not ranking these songs on how much we like them. Because no. if that were the case, this song would be 15th out of 10. Yeah, I was going to say. in terms of moisture, I put it very similar to you, Sarah, in sixth place, which gives it five points. And uh, the patrons couldn't really give much of a damn about this either way. (laughs) They put it all the way down in ninth place with a mere two points. But next, Sarah, we have the only (laughs) top ten hit by one Sammy Johns, which is already just such a soft rock name. In 1975, Mr. Johns reached number five with a song that I had not heard until you recommended it for this countdown. But now I find myself unable to stop listening to for a variety of reasons. Here again, Sammy Johns, his number five hit, Chevy Van. Um, And before I play the clip, please understand that in some states and municipalities, even listening to this and failing to report the singer may be a felony. <laughs> Her young face was like that of an angel. Her long legs were tan and brown. Better keep your eyes on the road, son. Better slow this vehicle down. Cause like a princess she was laying there. Okay, Sarah, I am, as the kids say, low-key obsessed with this song right now for a couple of reasons. One, orally, sonically, it is a smooth day at the beach, Uh but the lyrical content of this song is a penthouse letter. Yeah. Because, listeners, for those of you who don't know it, here is the plot of Chevy Van. A guy is driving along. He sees a barefoot, barely legal teenager. He says, you want to get in my van? She says, yes. And he says, you seem tired, by which I also think he probably means strung out. Uh And why don't you take a nap? And then in his telling, and this is where we start to go into penthouse letter territory, this nubile, barefoot fox 
takes a nap, and then when she wakes up, she's so desperate to sleep with him that she tells him that they have to start sleeping together. So he pulls over to the side of the road and makes love. They make love, as uh-huh. he says later, which is a sure sign of moisture, that phrase, <laughs> in his chef's stand. And then he drops her off at in the small town that she lives in, and she walks away barefoot, and he gets to drive home. And in the, again, the sound of this song, he almost is saying like, yeah, that is all right with me. What a weird thing to happen. But you know that he is furiously beating off as he writes this story down and sends it into penthouse. And he is also calling everyone he's ever known from every sports team, high school class, detention hall, whatever, to relate this story. He is embellishing it further and further so that by the end, she's saying like the filthiest things to him. And it is just astonishing to me that this song was treated as a light romance when it is clearly the fantasy of every straight dude, because in the way that this song is written, he gets to still be quote, a good guy because she wants it. Yeah. She's the one who wants it. He's just here. Like I'm just doing her a favor. Doesn't I'm just a, I'm a feminist. I give women what they want. And it's just the, the logical pretzels that this song has to wrap itself into to make this seem like, fine and the way that you're like yeah but she wanted it whatever she was a drunk strung out barefoot hippie teenager and you took advantage of her dog but whatever the point being at the same time this song is also very pleasing to listen to melodically and it's stuck in my head all the fucking time sarah i can't stop singing it to myself therefore i will close up this at this point lengthy tirade by saying that to me Sarah Debunting here before you, the Lord PJ Banaka. I will say this is the <laughs> ne plus ultra of moistness at this point in the countdown. I have rocketed Chevy Van into first place with ten points. I respect that, um, and I, I think everything you said is right on. I think that this is absolutely like hitchhiking culture male privilege, where in his mind this is not. Um, this is not problematic or felonious what happened. Uh, we are not told her age. And I, you know, in 1975, when this came out, everyone's like, she's old enough to hitchhike. Like you, you know, you get what you pay for. Um, but hitchhiking culture, like I have read enough true crime based on cases from 65 to 85 that it's like, if anyone was still hitchhiking after 1972, it's like, girl, what are you doing? But it was just a different time. It was a different country. And like, this was the price of the ride. Sometimes. Ass, gas, or uh, it was grass, gas, or ass. Yeah. For the things that you would have to pay. Yeah. And it's pretty clear that she's like, look, I just need like, I'm, I'm trying to get off sick. I'm going to drink a Coca-Cola. I'm going to try to sleep this off. And then when I wake up, I'm going to polish your knob and then you're going to let me out. And it's, I mean, that's, that's not consent, (laughs) especially if she's under 18, like what actually happened. And I will say as a former penthouse magazine proofreader and copy editor, Those letters were real and did sometimes come in on sticky bar napkins, but they were obviously um, improved. 
uh, yes. for public consumption. Um, yeah, this is when you when you think about how a a sixteen year old who might have had a problematic home life or relationship with substance use was getting around the country. Why she might have had no shoes? Like this is not this is not cute. And a whole movie was made called The Van. This song is playing in 60% of it. The van in question was like a Ford, actually. But like, there's a reason that we call these molester vans now. Because that's what they're for. Like shagging wagons. Like, that's not cute. That's predatory behavior. Unfortunately, this song sounds like Aurely is, I agree, the Ne Plus Ultra of moisture, but I just feel like it is, first of all, more nasty than damn. Mm. Second of all, extremely overt. Like, at least it's not pretending that they had a great romance. Uh, it is fetishizing the coincidence, but, at, you know, at least he's not like, I'm sad. Like, he's pretty psyched for, you know, a stat rapist. But I, I can't separate the content and the chasm between what culture thought of this story and how we have to receive it now mm. from the dampness. So this actually um, ends up being pretty low for me. I have it in seventh. Four points. Interesting. Well, the patrons are aligned with you. They have it in eighth, giving it three points. And, you know, I you've given me something to chew on there. I And again... I will also say that I put this song in first place this week because I like the fact that we get to have a volatile chart over mm -hmm. the course of this season. Yeah. And I did feel like it merited in this week a first place finish because to my ear, it is just truly, whoo, child. Yeah. It's well, um, just like making love. That's legit. Um, Vehicle. The, the other thing about it that's so insidious is that it is so catchy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was recorded by several country artists later. Uh, it, anyway, but and yet I think understandably it has also vanished from the culture. I, I mean, I had truly never heard of this song until a few weeks ago. I had only ever heard of it because we um, my uh, ex-boyfriend and co-host of our um, public access show, Moist Let, uh Steve and I, Steve had found this like on video cassette at a flea market, which is how we found like three quarters of our content. And that's how I heard the song was watching The Van. Yes. Starring, among other people, Danny DeVito, who went to my brother's school. It's all a circle of extremely inappropriate love. Um, okay. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash Mark and Sarah. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. You saw that one coming. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly. Well, some of us do to avoid a giant mess of a house. Going to therapy is like all of these. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues later. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. 
BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Sarah. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Mark and Sarah. Mark with a K, Sarah with an H on the end. Thanks, BetterHelp. I feel that we need to move out of the criminal justice space. And into Cool Night, which, again, we've already talked about it. And I pulled a clip from episode 117 of us talking about it. Here that is. In that way of, like, the mysterious and complex world of grownups and their giblets, that, like, you don't understand (laughs) it, but you can, but you know what sadness and confusion and the desperation to connect are, even if you're eight. Right. That was, that is very effective, but at the same time, you have this, like, problematic dude trying not very forthrightly to get some by modeling sensitivity with the fireplace and the mulled wine, and I, like, I, you know, I toasted my own nuts, like, (laughs) cool. I like, when you said that, I actually just thought, not like, they uh, because I was too close to the fire, but I raised a glass of wine. In honor of my own nuts. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think that's impossible that that happened. Um, this it's so funny that even listening to that again because I haven't heard that since that conversation. I again thought you meant I toasted my own nuts, meaning here's a glass raised in honor. No, <laughs> I mean, clearly, I think um, a lot of the men of this era were in fact <laughs> lifting mead. To honor their nuts. Oh, God. yeah. This, I mean, this was the birth of these nuts, I think. Um, I did pull a clip of Cool Night, which I, like, this to me is the Ne Plus Ultra sound-wise, and also in the, uh, like, I just want to hold you, but, oh, here's little Paul Davis digging into your right kidney as we spoon on the love rug um, amongst the toasted nuts at my sad divorced one bedroom apartment. Uh, Here's a clip just in case anyone is still unfamiliar with the stylings of the late Paul Davis.
This came out in 1981. Um, the, I feel like it came on way too often at the roller rink. Like, I am eight. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I guess I'll go get a Coke. Ugh. And then, like, and even in couple skate, it's like, well, that's, I mean, even if you're in a couple, you're like, what are we supposed to, this is weird. Anyway, this is so, so damp. Like, that he has a he has a wonderful voice, or he had a wonderful voice. Um, there's a key change. There's firelight. There's the you know you can go, but he doesn't really mean it. Um, there's the perf. This is the "Are You Up" text of 1981. Basically, <laughs> this whole song, like it's um, kind of melodramatic and self serious, and kind of like there is this um, you know. Pose of loneliness, but if this woman doesn't respond, he's going to go to the next entry in his little black book. There's all the synthesizer. There's that. Um, so many of us in our single days have dealt with this seemingly pathetic, but actually actively annoying guy who's like you know my dog died and then there's something t pressing into your thigh i thought you know oh the boner of sadness like i just this is so damp and given paul davis's other um hits and how there tends to be a um we talked about this in episode 117 there is this troublesome forcing of the issue i'm not i'm not saying i'm just saying this is everything that i'm talking about when i say wmst moist fm number one 10 points oh yes i will add that i do think it's interesting that there is a um real theme in this collection of songs about people who are saying please baby I know you don't love me anymore, but can we just bang one last time? Yeah. Uh, Angel of the Morning has that. This conflation of physical and emotional intimacy, which, like, not that there's no overlap, obviously. And I think that we talked in our introduction episode about the struggle of the 70s heterosexual male. Yes. Pity to, fucking. What we're yeah. talking about is pity fucking. But it's yeah. like the question of, is the pity fucking, are you actually just saying that you're sad because you think that's the best strategy to get laid tonight? Or are right. you actually sad? Open well, question. Well, the whole like, you know, <laughs> real men don't eat quiche, real men don't cry. Like all of this stuff that was happening at the late 70s, turn of the 80s, in terms of the way that the culture was positioning men, was positioning heterosexual people who are trying to relate to each other and that um actual forthrightness was so seldom part of the package as it were yeah you know i mean i'm glad you said that actually because i've been meaning for years to just go on record and say what did quiche ever do it's an egg pie like it's delicious why wouldn't a real man or any real human being want to enjoy a piece of quiche well this is something that you see quick sidebar here <laughs> in the television of the late 70s, like when 
shows like sort of action or cop shows are trying to do like a funny bit. I'm thinking specifically of the number of scenes in Chips alone where Punch is trying to get it in with some lady that he pulled over. And so she's like, well, let's go to this restaurant. And it's decorated like a fucking wagon barn. But they, she's like, let's get some escargot. And they're like, escar, no. And <laughs> wah, nah, 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 like stales, what? Um, it, like French cuisine um, was much like Japanese Automobiles considered this like um, actively alienating and hostile force in American culture that yes. had to be either fought or mocked. Yes. Um, and you just see it a lot like on The Love Boat, on Dukes of Hazard, like late 70s, early 80s TV was very sort of preoccupied with um, an Americana presentation of. Um, leisure and also like dating you know i definitely did internalize as a kid without even understanding why that french was weak yeah and japanese was dangerous Mm -hmm. that were just those were just the the cliched prejudices that were fed to me as a child yeah well fuck all that anyway seriously uh, or serious le mal just so you put it in first, and both the patrons and I put Mr. Paul Davis in third place mm-hmm. with eight points from yep, both yep. of us. So that's a very moist finale for Mr. Davis here tonight. Sure is. Um, so now we're going to, through the magic of editing, make it sound like we're only going to stop for one second while <sighs> I go off mic and talk to Sarah about her rankings for the other songs in this countdown. Okay. But we'll be back in a second. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, what you didn't experience was an exciting moment of Sarah teaching me how to actively and aggressively use a spreadsheet. <laughs> now, coming in, Sarah, at 10. I had ten, your affirmative consent, just so we're fucking clear. You did. And, uh, and, and you're over 18. I'm actually not even barefoot. I have socks on right now. So there you <laughs> ah, go. Thank God. Um, so coming in in 10th place is All I Know by Art Garfunkel. Debuting in 9th is Baker Street. Uh, Angel of the Morning has now managed to not be in a tie for last. It is in eighth place now. The Best of My Love by the Eagles debuts at seven. Can We Still Be Friends debuts at six. Babe by Styx tumbles down to fifth place. It mm-hmm. had been in second. Uh, it had been in third place before, but now it tumbles down to fifth. Uh, in fourth place, thanks largely to my uh, points, Chevy Van premieres in fourth or debuts. Mm-hmm. Arthur's theme is down one to third place. Cool Night by Mr. Paul Davis rockets in the, to the charts at number two with 26 points. And Holding Strong in first place with 28 points is Baby Comeback by Player. So only two points separating the two of them, Sarah. It's a tight, tight, moist race for the oh, top of the chart. That's, yeah. What you just said is a misdemeanor. Um, 
All right, folks, thank you so much for listening, for voting. Next time you're going to dance with us, you're going to cry out loud. You may or may not let someone be lonely tonight when we say hello. And here it comes again to episode three of America's Damn 40. Again, find us on patreon.com slash mastass to vote, to discuss, to agonize over your rankings. We are here for it and for you. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkandSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. about songs they talk 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 about talk about songs thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube